Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. Mark Thompson. Get woke. God bless you. Get woke. Folks, MIP is now COVID free, meaning free to all subscribers as we navigate this pandemic. We're thinking about everyone and we've got to get through this together. So for a limited time, no fee to subscribe to make it plain on your favorite podcast app. Ladies and gentlemen, obviously you've heard the news and a lot of excitement. Joe Biden has picked Kamala Harris to be his vice presidential running mate. We want to talk about that with our panel, and we're very fortunate to have with us three very significant people, three women, three African-American women, who better to have this conversation with. And of course, we're honored to be joined by all three of them. First of all, Aaron Haynes with the 19th News, a new venture uh, that speaks for women. We're going to hear all about that, of course. Also someone who has become famous on social media for at least the past year. She's been covering this race very, very closely herself. Black Women Views is Reese Colbert. Welcome to her. And then someone else who has been a mentor of mine. And she represents a generation of Black women that also kicked down some doors and hit some glass ceilings. She was the first African-American woman to be mayor of a major U.S. city, Washington, D.C. And she also, just like Kamala, so happens to be 
a Howard alum and an AKA. Mayor Sharon Pratt is also here on Make It Plain. Welcome to you all. Great to be Thanks with so you, Mark. Thank you. Uh, congratulations. This is a great moment for African-American women. Um, Aaron, um, you um, have written a lot of pieces, done a lot of coverage of this, um, even from a very objective position. Um, were you surprised that he picked Kamala? Uh, not at all, Mark. I mean, honestly, uh, Senator Harris is somebody that's been at or near the top of this conversation for almost the entirety uh, of, of this deep states process. And, and I think that, it, you know, it was because of some of uh, the things that, that, that I think he saw as, as strengths in her as, as a potential uh, campaigning and governing partner. Uh, she uh, was certainly somebody who had been on the campaign trail uh, with him, uh, was a one time rival, if you will. Uh, you know, somebody that uh, a lot of observers say made him a stronger candidate, especially around issues of race. Uh, and then, you know, you saw uh, issues of race and gender kind of factoring into her campaign uh, failing to gain traction. Uh, she was off uh, the um, campaign trail even before voters really had a chance to weigh in on her, although certainly a lot of the voters that I spoke to uh, during the primary said that it was a head versus heart decision for them uh, because they were so focused on defeating President Donald Trump, uh, which which is their uh, top priority um, and has been for the entirety of the cycle. But, you know, ultimately, race and gender did prove to be Kamala Harris's greatest assets in this deep stakes conversation. From the moment that Joe Biden said that he was going to pick a woman and, and when it looked like there was not going to be a woman uh, to be our presidential nominee this year, uh, the call just has grown louder and louder for that woman to be a woman of color and, in fact, a black woman. And so, uh, you know, even as the criteria has shifted uh, in in, um, in the uh, election, 2020 was already the most consequential election uh, of, of most of our times that many of us certainly will ever cover as political journalists. Uh, but whether we were talking about the candidate who could generate enthusiasm or the person who was going to be ready on day one to address a global uh, public and, and I mean, public health and economic crisis uh, with the coronavirus, or the person who was going to be ready on day one to really help Joe Biden, uh, you know, heal the country from systemic racism. Um, Kamala Harris was somebody whose name again and again, uh, people were telling me was checking uh, a lot of those boxes. And, and the person who, uh, whose name ultimately rose to the top for Joe Biden among a very crowded field of talented, capable and qualified women. Mayor Pratt, talk to us if you would about this as a historical moment. How historical is it? And what does it mean? It is quite historic because while we all took pride in uh, Barack Obama being president of the United States, this is the first time we will have an HBCU conceivably in the White House. And that matters, at least to my generation. It truly matters because, you know, we are a community as reflected with the George Floyd events and the Black Lives Matter. Why do you have to say Black Lives Matter? because in America, Black lives have not mattered. And there is such a nexus in terms of our struggle, in terms of what we've been able to achieve with some of these traditional Black institutions, preeminent among them happen to be HBCUs. So from that vantage point in particular, this is truly historic. And is there special meaning that she's an AKA too? Well, uh, I think the fact that she's just Greek, that she, you know, completely 
uh, immersed herself into the mainstream of, of the community at Howard University. I think that matters. I can't talk about her just being an AKA, though I'm an AKA, my sister's a Delta. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm not gonna go there. Uh, but uh, uh, I think just the fact that she was thoroughly immersed in the culture of Howard University, in the culture of an HBCU, that matters. That matters a lot in terms of her sensibilities. So it's a great moment of pride, I can tell you. Amen. Reese, everyone is excited and overwhelmed. I'm curious, though, why do you think that wasn't the case during the primary season? When she started, there was this level of excitement, and then it just went away. What happened? Well, I think um, Aaron put it very well in terms of it being a head versus a heart decision. We also have to talk about the systemic barriers that Senator Kamala Harris experienced throughout her campaign. Certainly not um, things that are unique to her. It's, it's, it's something that happens to all candidates of color. But we also have to acknowledge that there was an unprecedented onslaught of attacks against Senator Kamala Harris. I mean, I have statistics that show after the first debate, out of 200,000 attacks levied at all of the candidates on Twitter, Kamala Harris alone received 181,000 of 200,000 attacks. And her coverage was disproportionately negative. She had a Russian bot problem. I know people kind of made a mockery of that, even though the Mueller report did confirm that a Russian uh, disinformation campaign targeted people on the issue of race. Her, um, the way that she was targeted was particularly about her race and her identity, trying to say that she wasn't black enough, you had the ADOS. Um, uh, you know, pushback that that sprung up out of nowhere against Senator Kamala Harris. And so there were a lot of institutional problems that plagued her campaign. She certainly got disproportionately negative coverage from uh, outlets like Politico and New York Times, who wrote obituaries starting as early as July in her campaign, and it rose to a fever pitch. And so when you have the institutional barriers of raising money and, and challenges with that, um, you have the purity tests of super PACs, which people threw out the window when it was convenient for them later on in the campaign. And then you have the uh, social media smears and attacks on her, which started actually years before, started in 2017, um, which she confronted Senator Bernie Sanders on the Senate floor about, about some of the people that are aligned with him attacking her. There, it, it's, it's a miracle, actually, that she held on as long as she did. But what she's done, which is very wise, is use the time since she dropped out of the, the race to build her national profile, to be on the forefront of issues like coronavirus, as well as um, you know the criminal justice movement that we're seeing right now in the wake of George Floyd, Ahmaud Arbery, and Breonna Taylor. And so now what she's been able to do is to define herself on a national level in a way that she wasn't afforded when she was a candidate. And the good news is that the more people see from her, the more that they like because her favorabilities are up. And as polling went on in terms of the Veep stakes, she rose to the top. And as the person who generates the most enthusiasm across racial lines. Aaron, I signed the letter that black men sent to Biden on Monday. Um, and alluding to what Reese was just talking about, there were some of my brethren even those who signed the letter that were impacted by the social media onslaught criticizing Kamala Harris's um, prosecutorial record. And, and that scrutiny and criticism was um, not always fair. 
wasn't perfect, but I don't know if it was as bad as was presented on social media. So some of those same brothers actually signed the letter I signed Monday. Um, I don't know where they were during the primary season, but the fact that they signed it and the fact that she's been chosen, Aaron, at this point, um, is it fair or is it reasonable, I should say, um, to presume that some of those attacks that infiltrated the community of black voters will not be as effective now that she's on the ticket. Have we gotten past that, do you think, Aaron? Uh, well, you know, Mark, what I would say is that that probably is still an open question. We're going to have to see, uh, you know, in the home stretch um, uh, go going into November. But I think that what we do know is that this is, uh, these are the kinds of attacks that, that Kamala Harris did have to confront as a presidential candidate in this primary cycle. And so uh, to the extent that she has um, had time to reflect on uh, those types of moments and, and take the lessons uh, that she needs to take. And, and that maybe, um, you know, makes her a stronger uh, vice presidential nominee and, and campaigning partner uh, to Joe Biden. You know, she uh, certainly, given um, the racial and gendered uh, attacks that, that she did get during her campaign, I, I think that that puts her in a position where she's already kind of been battle tested on those fronts and, and, and possibly uh, will have um, had time to prepare uh, with, with a different kind of rebuttal here um, going into November. Erin, what about policy? Um, I mean, she's an a, a electrifying candidate. Um, what do you think her being on the ticket uh, says about policy we can anticipate from policy anticipate from this campaign? Yeah. Policy that we can anticipate from this White House? Yeah, I mean, I think that that is one of the things that Black women tell me that they are most excited about in, in terms of her as a potential governing partner uh, to Joe Biden, because they believe that Kamala Harris is somebody that is going to bring her lived experience to the White House and, and, and use that to uh, really inform um, the administra potential Biden-Harris administration on policy uh, issues. I mean, it, it, in her uh, time in the Senate, she, she uh, if we remember, was elected in the same election uh, that, that, that gave us President Donald Trump in 2016. Uh, in her first term, she has raised issues around maternal mortality, for example. She has raised issues around criminal justice, co-sponsored that lynching bill. Uh, you know, in the pandemic, we have seen her um, arguing for marginalized communities on issues like unemployment benefits, um, eviction moratorium. Uh, asking for the racial data around coronavirus, right? And so I think that that kind of gives you a window into what her governing priorities might be uh, or, or what uh, some of the things that, that she may, uh, you know, want to flag uh, for for, um, for Joe Biden. And, and think about uh, the fact, too, that, you know, when Joe Biden was Barack Obama's governing partner back in 2008, they came into office also facing a huge economic crisis. I mean, this to say nothing of the global health the public health crisis that, that um, you know, whoever the next president is, is going to have to contend with, um, you know, and he uh, had a lot to do with, with addressing uh, the Great Recession. And, and I would not be surprised if that was one of the things that was on his mind as he considered who his governing partner was going to be. And so uh, somebody like a Senator Harris may well be confronting uh, those types of issues uh, in her role as vice president, which which I have written about as, as having really outsized importance um, than, than it traditionally has been in previous uh, cycles or administrations. Mayor Pratt, you uh, are a former DNC official, treasurer, right. I believe, at one time, uh, treasurer of the party. 
Um, what does this say about the state of the party? Uh, we know that black women have been the backbone of the Democratic Party. Can we say now that the party finally gets that and respects that? Well, there was, uh, yes, we used to talk about it a lot. I mean, to the credit of the Democratic Party, of course, when I came along, and I'm, I'm definitely a qualified grandmother, uh, that was sort of the beginning of a lot of caucuses, caucuses for women, you know, the Black Caucus, Hispanic Caucus, and all of that energy. And that was a long time ago, you know, but it has begun to pay off. Because, you know, there was an unfortunate expression we used to use. They say sort of treated us like a uh, midnight love. You know, they, the party always coveted us, cared about us, needed us, but didn't really want to celebrate us out in the open. And now we are at a day and at a time when the genie's out of the bottle. They can't do that anymore. And there were a confluence of events, I think, that sort of have driven the party driven sort of the leadership of my era, the grandparents, uh, to recognize that that day has arrived. So I think our party has matured. I think our country has matured. Of course, we've got to fully capitalize on it, but we've come a great distance. Reese, um, back to some of the things that, that were attacking her and sidelining her. Do you think um, there's a way to overcome that now, I mean, I think when it was happening, either the campaign wanted to be very humble and not engage her campaign at the time, her primary campaign, or you know maybe they just didn't know how to respond. It might have been a shock to them, like it was to everyone else. Um, I think some of those bots and trolls that you spoke of may be re-energized. Mm -hmm. um, do you think they'll have the same hold as they had before? Do you have any ideas about how the campaign can once and for all push back against some of that stuff? Um, I, I, I'm optimistic that um, it will not have the same impact that we saw during the primaries. And one reason for that is called the K-Hive. And uh, the K-Hive is a group of energetic, enthusiastic Kamala Harris supporters, which I count myself among them, that um, will drag the hell, to be frank, um, out of anybody who comes for Senator Kamala Harris. And uh, I, she has a social media army behind her in a way that has grown exponentially, uh, particularly uh, dur uh, throughout the course of this Veep stakes. And um, they are well equipped to push back on all these things. But in addition to that, I do think that the media has grown a, a smidge less hostile towards Senator Kamala Harris. There have been more people who have sought to set the record straight. Just yesterday, there was a USA Today op-ed from a San Francisco public defender by the name of Nikki Solis, who basically pushed back on almost all of the narratives that have plagued Senator Kamala Harris through her tenure as saying that she's somebody who locked up Black men for weed and, and some of these just really ridiculous accusations that they've made. But, you know, we have to again acknowledge that Senator Kamala Harris did not have the resources to push back on other people. I think she was much more focused on boots on the ground and hiring organizers where perhaps she probably should have been a little bit more engaged on the digital team. I know that she had a very lean digital team compared to other people. She didn't have an influencer strategist that could help recruit people who have large platforms to help push back on these narratives. And so I think that given the resources that she now has at her, as her, has at her, at her fingertips, given the apparatus that 
you know, like this today, all of a sudden, because just last week, we remember that Chris Dodd and all of the big money donors that seem to surround the Biden campaign were very much anti-Kamala. I think they're going to have a come to Jesus moment. And Senator Kamala Harris is going to have more resources and more support than she's ever experienced, probably throughout her entire career. So I think that makes a difference. And I think that she has more liberty, particularly going up against Donald Trump and Mike Pence to make the case in a way that was hard when you have people who have no criminal justice background. They've never prosecuted any case. And so their hands are clean by default of not having had any skin in the game. Mm -hmm. Aaron, do we know whether or not that um, those on the outside, black women writing letters, clergy wrote letters, a lot of activism, uh, after Chris Dodd said what he said, have, have you been able to get any intelligence on whether or not that activism caused the campaign to reverse course? Was she ever really in jeopardy of not being the nominee because of what Chris Dodd had said? Well, I, mean, I don't know. I don't know if it was because of Chris Dodd. I mean, I think that there were certainly other people who uh, Joe Biden was seriously considering. Right. Um, you know, but I also think that um, the Biden campaign certainly was not um, unaware of the growing chorus of people who were calling for a black woman uh, to join him on the ticket, whether that was uh, Senator Harris or, or one of the other, um, you know, very capable uh, black women who were on that list. Uh, and so, uh, you know, I, I, I don't know um, that. Because ultimately, this was not a decision that was up to a Chris Dodd or Ed Rendell or even the voters, right? Like, this was Joe Biden's decision alone to make. And, you know, if uh, at the end of the day, if he was somebody who, uh, you know, was comfortable with her, uh, felt like they had the type of relationship that he was going to need in a true governing partner and felt like she was the person who was going to be ready to help him lead the country on day one, uh, should he win on November 3rd, uh, then, you know, everything else was kind of just chatter, apparently. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I want to thank the three of you for joining us here on Make It Plain. Uh, this is an historic moment for us all, particularly for African-American women. Uh, thank you to Mayor Pratt. Thank you to Aaron Haynes of the 19th. Aaron, tell everybody about the 19th and what that is. That's that's really absolutely happy to uh, Mark. Listen, uh, the 19th is a nonprofit, nonpartisan newsroom that just officially launched with a beautiful brand new website uh, a week ago. Uh, we're at 19thnews.org. And this week we are in the midst of our virtual summit, uh, which has a fantastic lineup, which will include among the first interviews with the new vice presidential nominee, Kamala Harris. I will be in conversation with her for our keynote address on Friday. Standing. Congratulations. Congratulations. Um, Reese, Black Women's Views, um, tell us all about that and how people can see what you're doing. Yeah, you can follow me on social media. I'm at Black Woman Views on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. You can go to my website, blackwomenviews.com to get all the information to land you on whatever page, whether it's YouTube. Uh, but I do a daily live stream called Unboss Unfiltered at 5 p.m. Eastern, talking about the day's events, just interacting with folks. Um, I do live with the K-Hive on Fridays. I don't know how much longer we need to do it. Um, and I just I just do a variety of things. Uh, my goal is just to be an Unboss Unfiltered, unapologetically pro-Black 
voice that's not in one box of being, um, you know, too, too serious all the time. You know, I get a little ratchet. I curse a lot. I do a lot of things, but I'm also, you know, intelligent and I can bring the facts and bring the receipts. And I am all about Kamala all the time. So if that sounds appealing to you, then come follow me at Black Woman Views. And um, Mayor Pratt, you are the founding director of the University of the District of Columbia's Institute of Politics, Policy, and History. And you have a podcast out of the Institute. Tell us about that, if you would. Well, IPPH on air. Uh, we are the Institute of Politics, Policy, and History. Happy to say that you are on our senior advisory committee. Uh, and our mission is to rediscover the history of the nation's capital, but also, therefore, the history of the nation. And in particular, to emphasize in the room where it happened, we are what happened in Washington, D.C., sort of a thumbs up to slavery. That's how the capital came about. So all of that history is terribly important. It is. Well, well Mayor Pratt, let me just say, on this, heading, to, heading into the centennial of, of women's suffrage, certainly uh, Washington, D.C. played such a huge role uh, in that. And, and uh, so we at the 19th uh, would love to, to join you on that podcast whenever you'll have us. Uh, we're, uh, the day after tomorrow. <laughs> Consider it done. See you there. We'll be sure to connect everyone. And we look forward to a President Biden signing H.R. 51 into law oh, yes. from January. Uh, so the D.C. finally will be the 51st state. So thank you to each and every one of you. It's been a great conversation. We'll be talking more because uh, there'll be a lot more to talk about. Uh, Absolutely. Campaign goes on. Thank you all. OK. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right. All right. Well, Take care. Stay safe. All right. God, you are our refuge. Send our ancestors to guard our doors. Cast out this virus from our communities and our bodies. Heal, bless, and protect everyone listening and their loved ones. Thank you for listening to Make It Plain and Get Woke. Remember to listen, like, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts. If all minds are clear, it has been Made Plain. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants. 
They all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.